Hello and welcome to Girl Mode. This is episode 39. I'm one of your hosts, Willow Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. And this week we kind of have a loosey-goosey episode where we're just kind of going to run through a couple things, a couple news items, and then probably a lot of it is going to be about like what we've been up to lately because we've, yeah. we've been up to some substantial stuff. But yeah, besides that, I think we're just going to like, we're going to see where where the conversation takes us. We're going to see how it flows. I feel so sorry for everybody who like got on board to this podcast after we did like the FF16 criticism thing and suddenly smart people shared us and then we were like, cool, now immediately we're going to do an X-Men episode and then now we're going to just... I I promise we were smart before. Listen to our (laughs) Stephanie and Signalis episode. That's a good one. That is a good one. Listen Listen to to the Harry Potter episode. That's a really angry one. Listen to the girlies. Um, Listen to the oh the girlies are. I cannot great. wait until we get to do I, the girlies I, I, again. I'm so excited for the next girlies. Oh my god! Okay, before we get too deep into it, though, I do want to quickly. Uh, we are going to take a break again. Sorry, I know we just did this, but next week we're taking a break so that I can move into my new apartment, Woo-hoo. which I'm very excited for. Which is also why we're pretty frazzled this week, <laughs> or why I'm frazzled anyway. You, I don't know what your excuse is, but. Yeah, part of why I haven't had a lot of time to think about this is I've been uh, packing all of my stuff to move. So yeah, next week we'll take off and then we'll be back and better than ever, I promise. Yeah, we're going uh, to really take some time to reflect. Yeah, yes. Uh, okay. Yes. But until then, it's it's time for a, just an episode where we basically just say whatever comes to mind at each other. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things we've both been playing a lot lately is Honkai Star Rail. Uh, Mm -hmm. because patch or version 1.2 came out, which means there's a bunch of new content and Blade is on the banner and all that. I have been playing this game like every morning now. Yeah. It's wild. Like Zoe basically, Zoe wakes up very early and then I don't have to work for like another three hours after she leaves the house. And I've been spending like (laughs) one hour a day at least in that morning period playing Honkai Star Rail. Preparing for Kafka. I am preparing for Kafka. I am so excited. I, I was telling you, I have like, I'm getting close to like 30 special Star Rail passes like at this moment. And I'm just going to keep building it because mm-hmm. I need to get Kafka and also, if possible, spend the least amount of my own money doing it. Or at the very least, don't let Zoe know that you spent any money because she will end your life. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. I'm just, I'm obsessed with Kafka so much. Like, but. The second this game dropped, I was like, I need her so bad in <laughs> yes. the game. Of course. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, what like what level is your your party, like your main party at now? I'm up to like having them at level 50. OK. Yeah, I'm I was like behind on the main missions. So I'm now like I'm in the basically middle of doing those missions. I want to finish it because there's the new Trailblaze mission. And also, yes. if you like finish all the Trailblaze missions right now, you get Yukong. Which blue fox girl you should do i was uh that was yes when i when she was on the banner i was like well i guess i need to waste all my special passes mm-hmm. pulling for this four star because mm-hmm. i just need to have her in my life mm-hmm. it's it's been really tough keeping all my star rail passes right now because um the thing that i have found is like while i've been doing my like daily stuff i've been using other people's blade as like the support mm-hmm. character and blade is so op and he kind of rocks as like a party member and i've been like oh man i kind of want him but i need to hold off because i know kafka's coming and i don't care i just need kafka 
I had that same dilemma with Luocha because he was like a really good healer, but I was like, he's also not a hot girl with fox ears, though. So this is posing a problem. Those are my two priorities. Yeah. I want to be good at the game, but I also want to have all the fox girls. Yeah. I will say, while you're doing like a good a good place to to uh, do your like your daily playing would be what is the one called? I think it's stagnant shadow. Mm-hmm. where you get the materials you need to ascend. Yeah. Because that grind is really about to kick in for you. After, like, level 50, you need so many of them to level. Like, I'm right now, like, trying to get... I'm at 70 with my main party, but I need to get, like, ascend again to do, like, the newest story missions. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, a grind to get that shit. Yeah. I've been thinking, though, like... I, I've been mostly focusing on doing the Trailblaze missions also because I still need to catch mm-hmm. up on all those. I just am just reminded, I honestly love this game story. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, yeah, I'm excited to get into the new... Like, I I played, like, the very beginning of the new missions before mm-hmm. I realized that it was way underleveled. And, like, it's... Yeah, I, just, I was just reminded of just how good the story is. Yeah. And just, like, these characters who, at this point, you're, like, pretty familiar with who are, like, in your party. It's just, like, they're relationships are still really interesting came out of nowhere i think for both of us how much we ended up really liking this game and i love the like the companion missions are some of the best stuff Mm -hmm. like servals i mean i mean of course servals is is just so good because like i love you know lesbian angst and that's like all that is but yeah oh god yeah hers yeah hers Hers is is harsh yes it formed the basis of a lot of fanfic um, <laughs> that you've sent me. Have you done Clara's companion mission? No. You should. Okay. Because she, despite being an annoying character, her missions are really good. It's about like finding a like one of those robots mm-hmm. that appears to like be sentient and it's like dealing with that and it's it it goes some some wild places mm-hmm. that end up being one of my favorite ones. Who are you actually? Who's who's in your party? Who are you? Using? Who's in my party? I typically have like Natasha or Tingyong because I liked having a support like that. Is Natasha your only healer? She is. She was mine forever. When I was doing my special passes just recently, I got Bailu, mm-hmm. who was really good. So now I have like a lightning person. I'm not always like using Natasha. Mm-hmm. I still think I like Natasha better though. I've been She's using cool. Donhang a lot. After leveling yeah. him up a bunch, I was like, oh, he, he's like really useful, actually. He's also very, yeah, he's very hard to replace, too. Which yeah. I don't like his him that much, but it's just like he's so good. I mm-hmm. can't justify like not leveling him. Yeah, I've been using Sile a lot. Oh, I forgot you had her. I love her. And I it's I've been doing a lot of like dailies and there's these just great moments where it's like a whole round will pass and it's just because she's just attacking because she yeah. has an amazing thing where it's like if she kills an enemy... She just gets to go again, and it's mm-hmm. it's so satisfying. Yeah, I should start using her as support more just to take advantage yeah. of that. Especially because I run with Silver, I have Silver Wolf in my party mm-hmm. basically all the time. Of course. That would make it a very, yeah, because yeah. she's a good character. I've been using Japard a bit. I kind of like it because it's like having a bit of a support. It's either Japard or um, I'll be using Stell with the path of... Uh, preservation yeah um because i really like the taunt ability that she has but so i've been using japard i need to figure out how to use him best i think um but like i just really want to replace him with bronya if i ever get her yeah i know i really want to get she might end up being the one that i get from that like 
from the like the free poles, one when eventually. you do 300 polls yeah yeah because i really like i really like i like her character obviously and she is also supposed to be a very good character yeah like a, good at the game the not issue just the issue is cute. is if i get kafka when i pull for her which i will one way or another if i get kafka i'm gonna want to use my 300 free pull to get himiko of course because <laughs> the girlfriends have to be together uh, absolutely but also i need bronia because i need to re- you know have the girlfriends be together <laughs> Oh, yeah, you could just have a total girlfriend party. I could, yeah. Instead of a party, they, they just call it a polycule at that point. <laughs> Pretty much. That's why you have, wow. that's why I use March 7th with Stell. Yes. I mean, they actually are really good together, too. Yeah. Because if everybody has shields from Stell, like March is just launching counterattacks constantly, which is also very funny when they are in the party because it's like she's like getting mad that they're breaking her girlfriend's shields. <laughs> no, stop it. Mm-hmm. That's just how I want to play that. That's, this is how I play this game, though. Like, to an extent, yes. I'm just like, I want to just put my favorite characters who I think are cute on the party. Yeah, I'm not, like, going for the meta at all. I'm yeah. just like, I like this one. So I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, like, largely how I feel about Yukong. Because she's apparently not, she's, like, very, like, low tier or whatever. But I like her. She's a cute fox girl with a bow. Mm-hmm. She's fun. She's got blue hair and pronouns. But yeah, it's a good game still. Uh, <laughs> Go. Remains good. Remains surprising. Have you seen the new boss? Please. I'm the one who showed you the new boss. Oh, yeah. Because we were talking about it, and I was like, okay, though, but have you seen the new boss? And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Have you seen the thing where, so if you go to the like travel log in the game, and you know how it has all the things of like, here's the current events, here's like where you can get your free special passes Mm -hmm. by checking in every day, they all have like a little like sound effect that plays. And when you open the one for that shows the like the boss, it has her going like hmm, or something. All right. And I saw this one TikTok where somebody was just like going back to that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. And by someone you mean you? Uh, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's honestly probably what we're we're both playing most right now. Like at least for fun. I know you're doing stuff for work. I am doing stuff for work, which means but... I'm not having fun. Yeah, it's surprising how like high that game has ended up being on like my games of the year so far. I'm mm-hmm. just like, this game is great. I know this is like mostly just an us thing because there are games that like normal people care about mm-hmm. that came out this year. But it is it it remains wild to me how few things have like been that exciting for I think either of us this year. I also love turn-based combat. So it's like really nice to have a game like this. And then also a game like Octopath Traveler 2, which both have like incredibly fun turn-based combat systems. Yeah, I was gonna say like in a busier year I could see this getting pushed down the list Mm -hmm. a lot. But so far it's like still one of my top favorite games. Absolutely. But yeah, let's transfer over to some like weird news bits. Uh I don't know how much (laughs) you'll have to say on anything, but like whatever. It's fine. We can have another episode where it's just you talking yeah. to yourself. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is Overwatch 2 and apparently like most Blizzard games are going to be coming to Steam now. So you don't have to play this. them on Battle.net. Although apparently you still have to have a Battle.net account, which I had two thoughts on this. One, good. I hate launchers. I hate game launchers. Like I do want them all to just be in one place. I hate Battle.net. Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. It's very annoying. Uh, two, I really feel like this this is happening because nobody cares about Overwatch 2. Yeah. 
man, it's 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 wild how hard this game crashed. It's not surprising given how they handled it, mm-hmm. but it's just wild that they decided to take it in this direction. I didn't even write this down, but there was another thing that happened with Overwatch, which is the Overwatch League is basically done. Yeah, I saw some like people talking about that on Twitter, but didn't really see what had happened. Apparently, so Blizzard like fired the entire Overwatch League team. That is like oh, okay. works at Blizzard, like the internal mm-hmm. team. And now the like league itself is basically having conversations about like what happens now. Do we go forward? Are we done? Like, Yikes. it seems like competitive Overwatch is basically over. That's wild. Because I mean, this is like, is this like, maybe not in terms of like players or popularity or whatever, but I feel like in terms of like people like me who mm-hmm. don't follow esports i feel like overwatch league was the one that i heard about the most yeah like i know like league of legends is huge and valorant is huge but like overwatch spilled out into kind of the more general like game playing public i think in a way that no other esports have i agree and i think it's going to be one of the most interesting things to like look back on historically in games history the fact mm-hmm. that I honestly believe the original Overwatch is like one of the most important games of the past like decade or 20 years or whatever. It's massively important and it was legitimately incredible. And then it got such a huge like fan base across the board of like competitive players, casual players, people who just like being in the fandom. Blizzard shit that bed so hard and they they killed one of the best games like yeah ever made there was a period of months where i was playing i was playing overwatch every single mm-hmm. day and i do not like shooters and i do not like competitive multiplayer games like I, like i never ever 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 play competitive mm-hmm. multiplayer games and i play like maybe one shooter per year and i was playing this game every single day and it was like one of my favorite games mm-hmm. like the crossover of this game was so incredible and it basically like it kicked off such a boom in like these hero shooters and in like multiplayer games like i you're totally right like it is far and away one of the most influential games of the past at least a decade it's because they were able to take like the competitive shooter genre and meld it with like the moba genre and like these character mm-hmm. things and it just worked so well and the fan fiction bait genre yeah and it's like all the character designs were inspired by fighting games and like how iconic fighting mm-hmm. game characters are it was so great and it's like so disappointing that they've like yeah. wrecked it and now they're just like reaching to try to keep it in some way alive but also killing it because they're killing overwatch league the game is now on steam because they don't have a community for it that's like big enough killing overwatch league is so wild at this point too because it's like one of the things that made it so successful and i know this has been talked about one million times by everybody who plays this game but the one of the things that made it so successful is that they made it so that you could not be good at or like shooters and still be good at and like overwatch especially like at the beginning there was characters like mercy is like the prime example like reinhardt beloved mercy and basically a lot of the support characters and even a lot of the tank characters even you you don't have to be good at or interested in first person shooters for those to work like it was it allowed people into the genre in a way that like no other game had and then part of the reason that like those early days of Overwatch were kind of the best period for it was a lot of people say like they started catering a lot more toward like the competitive, the hardcore, the league players, um, which they deny, but I think is pretty like observably true. And so to like spend so much time focusing on those at the expense of the more casual fans reduced their player base already. 
And to now get rid of that side of it, it's like, what do you what do you think is left? You know, it reminds me a lot of um, there's this really great article from 2021 by Vice called How Overwatch Lost Then Found Again, The Things That Made It Special, Hmm. which is really funny because this was done in 2021. And like in the years since then, it's kind of like you could argue and then lost itself again and is kind of killing itself. But it's this really, really good article that basically lays out this entire history of how the game became popular originally. Then it's like identity crisis and how all of that happened. One of the things I remember hearing, uh, it was written by these two journalists, Nico Deo and Tyler Culp. And I remember I was hearing them talk about this at one point. It might have even been on Waypoint, um, how they had spent so long writing this article. And then right around the time they were getting ready to publish it was when Overwatch 2 was like announced to be 5v5. And they were like, they had to kind of like add a, a like parts at the end being like and i guess who the fuck knows what is happening with overwatch 2 because right. they're you know the competitive scene is like what the hell are you doing so uh very fascinating i think this game is like its whole trajectory is wild the arc of this game you could honestly make like a i would watch like a feature-length documentary on like what the fuck happened mm-hmm. with this game like it is such a fascinating arc from like the beginning of Overwatch to where we are now with Overwatch mm-hmm. 2 is like, I would love to see that whole story told. Or not even the feature link, give us a uh, Psych Odyssey length 32 yeah. part documentary chronicling this entire game's existence. Someone call up Jeff Kaplan. Get him to, <laughs> yeah. get him to talk. Um, <laughs> in other news, Star Wars Outlaws, a game that I am ostensibly excited about, had more stuff, but I hated this news because uh, this is a thing I don't like. There was an interview with Edge Magazine. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. There was an interview with Edge Magazine where basically the director of the the creative director of Star Wars Outlaws was like, yeah, so like we have all these different planets in the game, which as far as I know, currently there are four planets confirmed to be in the game. He was like, they're going to be like two Assassin's Creed Odyssey zones, which like for context, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like massive and two zones in assassin's creed odyssey can easily be larger than previous assassin's creed game maps in their entirety like there are areas of assassin's creed odyssey that are larger than the entire london map in assassin's creed syndicate oh damn i didn't know that yeah so in context the size of assassin's creed odyssey's map is 90 square miles and then like because i i wrote about this it's a fine article, but like <laughs> the point is, is that I was comparing it to how open world games have happened like lately. And the ones that people have been more interested in are games that do something interesting with world design rather than just being big. So Elden Ring has a world map that is about 30 square miles. That's fascinating because it feels like the biggest world I've ever explored in a video game. And it's like absolutely not. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild has one that is about 23 square miles, if I recall. Wow. So it's like, that really puts it into context. Totally. Especially, I don't know, I, th- I feel like this is especially disappointing for a Star Wars game. Yeah. Because it's like, the thing that's interesting about Star Wars as a setting is these, like, very, like, densely packed mm-hmm. cities. And, like, there's no part of Star Wars that's, like, exciting because you can, like, go into the wilderness and travel forever. Like, I, I don't know, there's... You have to necessarily sacrifice some some depth just mm-hmm. to make it that large. Like not all 
you know, however many square miles of that is going to be very interesting. So why not just focus on, you know, a very small area and just build it up with with density and interesting things to see there? It's like, I mean, honestly, the way I'm going to play this game, I know is I'm just going to mainline the story. Because mm-hmm. that's the experience I want. Because I will, I will never get over Project Ragtag being canceled. Yes, I could, despite being really mean to you about it when we talked about this the first. <laughs> yeah, time, you were so mean to me. I yeah, I, I was like, like, oh, like a... I'm excited for this game, and like I know it's AAA, and I'm never yeah. excited for them, but I think it'll be fun. You're like, well, you're an idiot. I just wanted to see what it felt like to be you being <laughs> mean about games all the time. I like video games. I could games. definitely see myself. <laughs> playing through and just focusing on the story because like this is i can picture in my head now that like factory sequence we saw in that video clearing out the factory getting on your speeder riding through the world i can see that playing out now ten thousand times in this giant map with basically identical environments every time like there is absolutely nothing interesting to me about that Mm -hmm. but i could see within those environments a very tightly focused story being very interesting it's just like i don't know it's it, it, it's so weird like it, i i really felt like the this trend would be over by now like making everything into a giant open world checklist ubisoft bullshit a thon like i cannot believe how long i mean i guess they must st- these games must still sell. sell like wild amounts of figures because like every critic who like you know, actually thinks critically about things is so over these. There's been so many articles about why the open world game and then all the shit is played out. It must just still be making so much money that it doesn't matter. But it's just disappointing to see. The only thing I always come back to when I think about this is as the explanation is that I I always imagine the like regular game enjoyer slash player who you know, obviously isn't a critic or works in games and isn't playing a million games all the time who buys like one game a year and they're just like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm just going to play this game and I'll play it for like an hour a night or something and I just get to explore this big world and that's all I need for like a really long time. And that must be the audience, which yeah. I guess is a lot of people though. So that's why these games yeah. succeed. Which is totally understandable. Like, it, it, I totally get why you would want to play one of these games it's just like it's a bummer that that has become the sort of standard for AAA right now and i think it does sort of support the way that AAA works right mm-hmm. is like just these huge massive projects that have thousands of people working on them that are so large both in terms of like the teams making them and the size of the games that there is studios can basically like anonymize the workers you, you, your job might be making rocks in this area because there's so much space. We need somebody to focus on these very minute details. And you can get so many, you just hire so many people and churn through them and burn them out because they need to make so many assets and then fire them at the end of the project because you can't sustain having that many workers on payroll at a time. I don't know. To me, it's like this is so... The, the state of the industry is symptomatic of the way that these games are made and the way that these games are made is symptomatic of the state of the industry like there's such a self-reinforcing loop Mm -hmm. that it's like even if i person like i i don't personally enjoy this type of gameplay but i think that it's also like difficult to see not just for my own enjoyment but because these these kind of games reinforce that that loop and that kind of crunch and those kind of bad working conditions it is it's a bummer on two different levels that this has become such an industry standard 
and it's you know this is just one game like it's just it's following a trend like whatever it's not like the fault of this particular developer or this particular game or whatever but it's just like i don't know it's just exhausting to see this happen over and over and over again and i think it stands out to me more because it feels like such a mismatch with star wars it's so confusing to me also because like Ubisoft has gotten so much feedback now with, you know, just a couple of their open world Assassin's Creed games and like having been made now where they're like, people are tired of this. Even Ubisoft must know this because Assassin's Creed Mirage is going back from being an open world and it's going to be a singular like setting where it's going to be much smaller and focused. I'm like, well, if you knew that you kind of needed to do this change. Why aren't you doing that for this game? I mean, I feel like that's where what I was like Mm -hmm. talking about comes in. It's like they have built this machine now that does this specific thing. Mm -hmm. And now even if they know it's not really working, it's like, well, we have this machine. Why don't we just keep feeding human lives into it until like, you know, it stops being profitable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Star Wars Atlas is also going to have a cooking mini game, maybe. Whatever. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? No. If it has fishing, though, then I'm okay with that. Like, I will absolutely do all the space fishing that I can. Uh, yeah, so it's very vague. There's a, a an article that I just noticed as I was scrolling through the news uh, by Rebecca Valentine at IGN that there was a panel at San Diego Comic-Con, apparently, where the creative director of the studio kind of sort of teased a, a cooking game, which we were talking about a little bit about this before <laughs> we started recording. And just like the open world thing, this seems like such a wild choice for a Star Wars yeah. game. Like, I can't think of a single scene from Star Wars where it was like about enjoyable food. Like you mentioned the blue milk and it was like, that was a joke about how disgusting it was. Yeah. And then like the bread scene in Force Awakens, it's, it's about, bread. yeah, it's not about food being good. Everything's so yeah. utilitarian in this in this world. It's yeah, like it is a world, like it, it's a setting of deprivation. It's very weird to have. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. It's just weird. This game just seems so weird to me. You know it's, what? I, you're, I hold fine. out hope. I hold out hope. You should. You're, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's healthy to hold out hope. Uh, another open world game that's going to make a bajillion dollars is Grand Theft Auto Six, which is oh, they're making another one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's actually going to be announced this time, guys. <laughs> No, I thought it was already announced secretly in like a music video yeah. from the weekend. Yeah, there's like a bunch of like. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I feel like I wrote a story about this okay. for Inverse because I was made to. There was some. No, okay. So Geo wrote an article. I must. I forgot. I must have just quoted it or something. The weekend had a thing at the Super Bowl where. Oh right, so it was a music video, and there were all of these like signs in the background with all these different words on them, and. It ended one of the th- one of the billboards read GTA six trailer. And so people were saying that it was supposed to be announcing like an actual GTA six trailer. But I think what it ended up being was they had the video had just used some kind of like AI like scraping thing to just pull uh what people were searching for or something and like display it on these billboards. And it was just like a completely random thing that was that was happening. Um, but anyway, it was just a very, one of the thousand times that people were convinced that they were, they were announcing GTA six. Okay. Um, the, the AI scraping thing reminds me of this. Did you see this story about the world of Warcraft Reddit? 
I, I think I made up the AI scraping thing. I don't think that's what actually happened. But anyway, that wasn't what happened. But I did see the story and it's I it's so good. I love it. The wow Reddit was like, guys, I'm pretty sure, you know, there are a bunch of new sites that are doing AI scraping of the Reddit to make news stories. So we're going to make a fake post pretending to be really excited about something that doesn't exist. They made this post about this character named Glorbo. <laughs> I don't think it was a character. I think it was supposed to be like, they didn't say what it was. Okay. They just, there's a thing coming and it's called Glorbo. Yeah. And it was this really stupid post and it was really funny and it was all bullshit. And then they like edited the Reddit post yes. a couple like hours or something later because they were like, it happened. Well, because everyone in the comments was like playing along and being like, oh, I'm really worried about this, though. And how are they going to balance this other made up thing? Mm -hmm. And it's just like the time they did this other made up thing. And they were like, oh, yeah, like Glorbo. We've been waiting for Glorbo since Hearthstone in 1994. And people were like, so good. I just loved this so much. And yeah, fucking keep AI out of journalism. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, you can just read the article. It's it's very funny. It Mm -hmm. just reports on all of this completely made up nonsensical Mm -hmm. shit as if it's real and pulls all these like quotes from random people this my favorite part is the little there's like a bullet point of like key takeaways Mm -hmm. and it's just complete gobbledygook bullshit every every bullet point is just incomprehensible it's it's extremely funny in addition to the gta 6 rumors which is like apparently it's a trailer's gonna come by the end of the year guys um oh yeah where what was that i i cut you off before you it was basically that there were just there's more nebulous rumors that the game's gonna get a trailer at the end of the year but then in addition to that it's that apparently rockstar has been working on a red dead redemption one remake and it's gonna come out in november i'm so tired i know i will say though red dead redemption one is the best rockstar game I don't have any feelings about that i i I played a little bit of that game it was one of the like worst feeling games to play that I've ever like the controls of that game are so bad. Uh-huh. I could not I could not get with it. That's fair. Um it's yeah. I don't have an I don't know I don't have a favorite Rockstar game. They're all this they're just a big mush to me. Fair enough. I can't keep them straight. Uh I mean that's kind of our news pile. I say let's move on to our other things that are kind of more exciting this week. Do you want to start with what you've been doing? Yeah, sure. So I finally decided to uh, finish Gundam The Witch from Mercury, which I think we'll probably talk about in more detail at a later date uh, when Willa lets me talk about mechs for a long time. Yes, Um, It's only fair that you get to do that since I've been talking about X-Men. That's true. I couldn't do that on. I don't know enough about mech stuff. Like I, I, I just like. I just think they're neat. There are things like we, we talked about this before. There's things I could yell at you for a long time about. Yeah. But this mechs, I just appreciate. I just, I have no knowledge about them in my brain. I just, I just like them. But anyway, I finally decided to finish that series after you had been like begging Pestering me to you for, for months. months. It was ridiculous. So I watched the entire second season in two days. It was great because you just kept messaging me like as you were yes. watching it. And so I think the maybe like the first episode of the of the season is on YouTube, but the rest of them weren't. So I got very angry uh, and decided to just pirate them instead. But then I realized they're just all in Crunchyroll. So I signed up for a free trial of Crunchyroll and binged the series 
and cried a lot and texted you about it. And then since I had, I still have, I think, this free trial, I was like, I know. Uh, I will ask my good friend Willa Rowe what other anime I should watch because I know that she watches a lot of anime. And you, so you had actually recommended to me before a show called Sakura Quest, Mm -hmm. which is a show about a like young woman who's like graduated college recently. She's living in Tokyo. She's looking for a job and she ends up getting a job with this like agency that sends her to be a mascot of like a small rural town in Japan which is like a thing that happens. Like a lot of towns just have these mascots. I don't really know why, but it just is a thing. And she goes there and is like disappointed because she thinks it's going to be like a bigger, you know, like an acting role or something. And they also hired her by accident because she has the same name as like a famous actress. And within the first couple episodes, she like, she gets there and they have this weird thing called like the kingdom of the chupacabra and she like tries to run away and then decides to stay and it just becomes this she she meets a group of other women that are like around her age in the in this town and they all end up like living in this dorm together and in my head and also willa's they're just a big polycule they absolutely are they for sure are (laughs) um but this series is just about like their friendship and like them like helping each other through this like a lot of like rough times that they're having in their lives um and i also just i also do cried and texted you a lot while i was watching this like i mean yeah this is one of my favorite anime. The, the final episodes of g witch and this i was like in pain from how hard i was i was crying at just like i just get so emotionally invested in like i was i texted you i was like it will always get me to see a show like this that's just like women supporting each mm-hmm. other it's just like always going to absolutely trigger that reflex for me and that's like so much of what this show is it's just like them just gals being pals you know i stand by that soccer quest is like one of the best shows ever it's so fucking good i really love it one thing that i actually really like about it, it was like it she does she lives in this rural town and like at first she is like oh i gotta get out of here i gotta get back to tokyo and they're actually like There's another woman who had moved from Tokyo to live there. There was another woman who like wanted to be an actress Mm -hmm. and she ended up coming back to there because it was her hometown. And so there's this a very like, I don't know, a nuanced look, I guess, at like living in this rural town. Like it doesn't romanticize it, but it also doesn't make fun of it. Like there's a lot of characters who get introduced who have um, who like love this town and want to see it succeed. And there's also some who like can't stand it and just want to get out of there. Uh, And there's some who are just like, assholes and like it's it it doesn't have like a stereotypical look in either direction at this kind of rural town which i really appreciated because i think a lot of stuff that does take place in settings like this does go for one of the other there's so many great episodes in this that are just so small in theory but are just so meaningful like one of the episodes i think about a lot and i just really love is there's a whole episode about the bus service you know which one i'm talking about i love this episode this episode is so good it's it's a one season long show and i'd say the last like third of it gets a lot into like the infrastructure of living in a rural town which sounds really boring but it's so interesting mm-hmm. it's like like i like this episode like this bus episode there's a great episode where it's like there is a like a sort of small village that's like a little ways away this mostly a bunch of like older folks living there and the bus is going to stop going, uh, which is going to completely cut them off. And it's just the whole episode is about like everyone trying to find a solution to continue some sort of like transport for these people who otherwise are going to be completely on their own. And it's just a really like, 
I don't know, just a really like it's a self-contained story that also like brings together so many characters you've already met and so many new characters. There's like the the people in this village eventually like stage a sort of like revolution mm-hmm. against the town that they're a part of. It's just it's cute and it's funny and it's also like very heartfelt. Like it, it really does go into like the difficulties these people are facing and like the the power like of of their collective action and of like the town coming together to like support these vulnerable residents. Like it's just I think that's what this this show does really well is like it has these very small self-contained storylines that are like one or two episodes each that are just really entertaining like but they those smaller storylines do such a good job at also painting the picture of this town and like their relationships and the like real life issues that are happening in towns like this in Japan and like fictionalizing them in a really Mm -hmm. fascinating way. I just, I think it's it's so well done. Yeah. And it's like overall then with the main like group of girls, this is such an interesting portrait of the idea of like your work and kind of like your passions and figuring out what Mm -hmm. you want to do with your life um, at kind of like a lot of different stages of life. Cause like these girls are very similar in age, but they have some differences. Like there are some that are a little older. It's really great. Um, There's a video that I want to shout out that reminds me of this a lot. It doesn't mention Soccer Request in it, but it gets at a lot of the same things, which is there's a video called The Anime Countryside by Hazel, which I think I've shouted out this YouTuber before. You have. Yeah, because I watched it after you mentioned it and it's great. She's really incredible. And she has a whole episode about like the ideas about anime countrysides and what they mean and stuff. And I think uh, it reminds me a lot of like stuff that Soccer Request is doing. Mm-hmm. I also sent you like a very extensive list of like my top 12 anime recommendations for you. You did. <laughs> I liked that a lot. I, I really put an effort to that. You did. I really appreciated it. A lot of them were like not really what I'm looking for. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't really watch anime basically at all. I, I What I basically want is something to make me feel the exact way that Soccer Request did because mm-hmm. it's beautiful and perfect. There's some stuff I'll try to watch. I, I did start watching the K- Kakurio. Bed and Breakfast, Bed and Breakfast for, Spirits. for Spirits. Yeah. I was really into it at first because it seemed like it was going to focus on just like running this in. Like there were some very early scenes of like cooking that I really liked. Like there's something I really like cooking scenes. I just I don't know. I think of like Studio Ghibli and stuff. They always have like Mm -hmm. those incredible scenes of food and stuff. But that stuff really falls off. It becomes about this like larger story about like the spirit world. And like, I don't know, there's just a lot of character dynamics that I don't like. Uh, They're kind of like tropey and annoying um i i don't really like the main character she's just like so passive and like i don't know i didn't need to get into it but Mm -hmm. i i I, i'm not really loving it it's not what i wanted it to be i kind of am going through like ebbs and flows with it nothing that i've tried to watch so far has has hit me the way that soccer request did i mean yeah um i think i might just have to accept that that's like my favorite anime now (laughs) probably oh i started watching hori mia but didn't really get too far into it um, I love that show it's about so much. Heterosexuals. He's literally the um, only man that I like. I love him so much. Yeah. Sorry, I'm heterophobic. <laughs> but yeah, so that's mainly my thing. Mm-hmm. This is Soccer Quest is so 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 great. I I just I love it. Yeah, I mean, I recommended it. I, I think you might you should try this show. A place further than the universe. I mentioned it before. Okay, yeah. Has similar vibes to Soccer Quest. It's not as good, I think, and also it's. Mm-hmm. It's a little annoying to watch because it has the anime problem of it's just about like, you know, middle school or high school girls, which is a little bit of a thing where it's like, you know, I don't need to watch kids deal with this stuff. I want more adult stories, but there's a similar like camaraderie between the main cast that you might like. 
I'll check it out. I might. That that was one of the things that really I, that I did really like about soccer across is so many of these shows are just set in like high school or whatever, and it's just like that's fine. It's just I it's it's so far removed from my experience now that I'm just like I want to see something that feels that resonates more with me and with more like adult mm-hmm. problems, like especially like right now. Obviously, I'm in a very like my career has basically died, and I'm in like a position of trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life and so a lot of soccer requests is about that is like people who are like having to come to terms with their dreams now being pretty much over and like how do you move on from that and like how do you find your meaning in your life with that and so that was really (laughs) hitting me really hard as i watched Mm -hmm. it and that's just not something i would get from watching people who are like oh my crush and my class doesn't like or whatever the fuck you know um i just need to get you into some manga now Yes. I mean, you did. You you have said there is there is a lot of more of that stuff going on in manga. So I'm happy to receive your your uh, extremely detailed list of those whenever it comes through. It will come. But yeah, that's a, that's my recommend. I definitely recommend Soccer Quest. It rules. Um, I love it so much. It's so special. But I know you've also been watching a couple of things in the past week that uh, you're you're itching to talk about. Yes. So I have been constantly at the movie theater this week because i've seen three <laughs> movies in the past week oh that's right yeah i thought i forgot about the first yeah, one exactly so we'll, we'll start on the first one then we'll get to the the more recent ones the first one i saw was mission impossible dead reckoning part one Hell yeah. this movie fucks so hard <laughs> <laughs> and like for people who do, don't know i love the mission impossible series and this is you know obviously the latest one it is so good I loved it. I think it's one of the best ones they've made. It has a lot of like really fun spy thriller stuff, which is like the parts of Mission Impossible that I love the most. You told me it's in the top two or three of the series. I think so. I really do. Which is huge. Uh, There's great parts of it. Like the cast is just so good. Like Simon Pegg is killing it. Ving Rhames is killing it. Rebecca Ferguson is so gorgeous Mm -hmm. and awesome. Haley Atwell is in this one and she's incredible in it. Like she comes into the cast and it's really, really good. I think they act very surprisingly for me. The villain is really um, compelling, which is Mm. oftentimes a problem for, I think, the more recent Mission Impossible movies. They have they're not as good as having interesting villains. Um, But this one I think does. This is just such a good fucking time. And like, even if you've (laughs) never seen a Mission Impossible movie, you should go see it. It's so fucking fun. I did actually want to ask you that. Would I get anything out of watching this? Yes. Without watching? Okay. I think you will. Without watching the rest of the series. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those things where like, obviously, here's actually what I would suggest if you want. Mm -hmm. Watch the first Mission Impossible. And then you can okay. and then watch this one. Okay, cool. Because weirdly enough, this one has so much referential stuff to the first one mm-hmm. in kind of its okay. thematics. And there's a lot of, there's some things that come back. And it's like, I don't think you need to know all these. And when it comes down to it, these movies are just like a fun time and you will have a fun time. Cool. But if you want to like see some of more of like the larger things that, that it's getting at, I think watch Mission Impossible 1, but I don't think you need to watch all of them. Uh, you should if you want to. They're great. I love them. I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the first movie I saw and it was so good. Also, we saw it in IMAX. 
which was the Too way well. to see it. Although the issue is, is that you can't see it in IMAX anymore because oh. it came out like two weeks before Oppenheimer. And right. then Oppenheimer took all the IMAX screens, uh, which does lead me to the second things I've seen, which is I did do Barbenheimer. Um, me and a group of friends, we spent Saturday uh, doing the whole day seeing Oppenheimer and Barbie, which is why we didn't record on our regular time. Um, <laughs> so the way we did it is we had like, bef even before I just talk about what I thought of the movies, like going to the movies with friends is so fucking fun. And like doing a whole day where you just do big double features was so enjoyable just as an experience. Mm -hmm. um, go to movies with your friends. It's fun. Uh, but so Zoe and I got up and we got dressed and like our whole friend group, we were like, we are dressing up. You got dressed for up, by the way. Your outfits were both killer. Yeah, so Zoe, she dressed in a Barbie outfit. It was so good. Um, she had like, uh, there's Unique Vintage has a Barbie collection. And there's this one really cute like bathing suit like cover that's kind of like a little jumpsuit. Um, and she wore that. And then she wore her, she has these pink vinyl heels, like heel boots that she wore. She looked great. She looked like a Barbie doll. I think she killed it. And then I, because I don't have Barbie stuff and that's not my style really, uh, I, I was Oppenheimer. I was the Oppenheimer of the group. So I basically, I wore like my black slacks and my white button up shirt, black tie. And I had a herringbone vest on, which was h hilarious because like, all my friends, they were just like, cool. So you just dressed up how you usually would. <laughs> uh, and like a, a bunch of our friends had really nice outfits. Uh, one Allie, she wore like this pretty pink dress and she had like a matching headband and matching purse. Nice. And uh, it was great. Uh, so we had a big brunch with everybody first. And then we went to Oppenheimer. We did Oppenheimer first. And we sat through that three-hour IMAX experience, which was pretty cool. And then we had like two hours in between Oppenheimer and Barbie, where we went to our bar that we always go to, hung out, and then we did Barbie. So overall, my thoughts on the movies is, I think, I was kind of talking to you a little bit about this, is mm -hmm. I think Barbie has a vision and executes its vision pretty perfectly the only flaw of barbie in my mind is that what it's trying to do even if it accomplishes it isn't necessarily all that interesting in the grand scheme of things which like i am not the hugest fan of greta gerwig i don't think she has much interesting to say and especially from like film to film i think she kind of says the same thing over again uh which i think goes over to Barbie. And I think uh, I think there was potential for this movie to say a lot more about the idea of Barbie and what it means. And they just kind of stay mostly shallow. I also think it's a problem if your movie is Barbie, but the only thing people are going to come out talking about is Ken. Like, it is undeniable that Ryan Gosling is the star of this movie. Mm. He kills it. Like, he's excellent in this movie and he's really funny, but they give him all the best stuff, which is a little weird i think yeah um hmm. but i had more fun watching barbie as a complete film experience <laughs> sure <laughs> uh yeah i didn't have fun watching oppenheimer no uh as opposed to oppenheimer which i think the first two hours of it are 
pretty exceptional with with only a few things that I would like to change. And I think the first hour is some of the best filmmaking Nolan has done. It's just so inventive. There's a lot of fun editing and like really cool plot going on. Um, I'm also such a fucking nerd that like there were a lot of jokes people were saying before they went into this movie that like they're going to react to this movie like it's an MCU movie and they're going to start cheering when they like they hear the line and like they're going to cheer when they see people they know. But uh-huh. it's really funny because in the first hour of this movie, it's a lot of like backstory on Oppenheimer before he starts working on the project, obviously. And so there's this there's this huge section where he's basically going around the world learning more about physics and quantum physics and stuff. And so he'll be like he'll be hanging out with a friend and the friend will be like, Oppenheimer, let me introduce you to this guy, Niels Bohr. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, my God, it's Niels Bohr. Niels Bohr is joining the squad. Yeah. And then there's another moment where he like goes to a lecture and the guy's like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. My name is is Heisenberg. And I was like, oh, oh god. It's <laughs> like no fucking way. That's extremely funny. And I'm like, I was such a fucking nerd about it, but it was so fun. But then I think uh overall, I think the last third of the movie is its weakest point, where it also it needed I think it needed to say something definitively about what it was talking about, be it Oppenheimer himself and also the idea of the Trinity project and the atomic bomb and like, what does it mean having brought in like nuclear warfare into the world? Uh, And I think it just doesn't end up having an opinion on it. Really? It's more interested in the individual. And it's also more interested in showing at the end, like one individual being a problem rather than the inherent problems that the system at large has of bringing like this mass this like weapon of mass destruction into the world and the pain that it will cause Mm -hmm. for like centuries to come uh so like both of them i think have their flaws uh but they're both incredibly cool experiences um like i do think oppenheimer is like it is a massive spectacle in a way which is like nothing surprising from nolan but it is a really cool movie to watch uh I definitely think Dead Reckoning Part 1, though, is still the best movie of the year. (laughs) You can't beat Tom Cruise jumping off a cliff and then being like, he actually did that. He did Mm -hmm. it like 10 times. He fought on that train and he did that. Yeah, it's so cool. It's impressive, dude. So I haven't seen any of these movies yet. Uh, I'm going to see Barbie. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to see it on Friday, but I was too stressed out about moving stuff. So I'm going to see it eventually. Haven't seen Oppenheimer. Probably won't. But I will say we were talking about a little bit before this and we we made the comparison with uh, The Wind Rises, mm-hmm. which is the not the one that just came out, but the previous uh, Studio the Ghibli The previous movie. last Hayao Miyazaki movie before right. the, the new last, last Hayao Miyazaki movie. It was his last movie. movie, which touches on very similar things. And from what we were discussing, seems like it does so more successfully. Mm-hmm. This idea of a very driven person pouring all of their energy into a thing that will ultimately result in mass death mm-hmm. and how, how a how a person and a society reckons with that. So yeah, I just wanted to mm-hmm. plug Wind Rises because I think it's a masterpiece and I think it's an under-discussed mm-hmm. Ghibli movie. They got a really weird reaction when it came out. People reacted mm-hmm. to that in the strangest, most inexplicable ways, but I think it's brilliant. Actually, this came up uh, when we were talking about Oppenheimer because uh, one of the funny things, this is a fun fact about The Wind Rises and I don't know if you know this. Hmm. Do you know who voices the main character in the Japanese cast i do yeah i watched i watched the 
subtitled version of it so that I could hear this performance. It's Hideaki Anno. It's Hideaki Anno. created uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. And he's great. He's he's really great. I just think that's so cool. Yes. Mm. I also, if you've seen the, um, what's the, the documentary about Studio Ghibli? Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. There's a section about when they cast Hideaki Anno for it that's very funny. Yeah. Where he's just like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to be this this guy in, in Miyazaki's new movie. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> it's a very funny section of that documentary. I'll also shout out, uh, watch Dr. Strangelove. It's good. Also yes. a good movie. Yeah. About like the idea of dealing with the idea of the atomic bomb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did it. I guess with that... <laughs> trilogy of of films you've watched recently that's that's the end of this very scattered uh episode of girl mode i had fun yeah i, I it's, fun. it's fun for us especially yeah i like just like reading articles to each other mm-hmm. and then talking about them it's a fun <laughs> way to spend some time uh especially when you have to go to work in an hour i know <laughs> you don't have time to uh make up anything more cohesive but yeah like we said uh at the top skipping again next week but we'll be back in the first week of august uh i will certainly be refreshed and uh energized by my new space uh and won't be stressed and sad about my life at all uh so tune in for that until then you can find all of our great and amazing and inspired previous episodes wherever you listen to podcasts uh check our link tree for all of our socials we're some variation of girl mode pod on all of the relevant ones uh and i'm on those at robin bomba and i'm on social at the willow do you have a fun closing quote about maybe one about oppenheimer and or barbie come on barbie let's go party <laughs> i don't know no i don't really okay well we're back to an old girl yeah. mode tradition of not knowing how to end an episode i was at uh playing the hits i had friends over uh for a party mm-hmm. the other day and me and my friend Anthony, we were just sitting in the corner and we were both playing Conkai Star Rail while everybody else was talking. Good game. That's cool. Yeah, it's a good game. Play Conkai Star Rail. Go play Conkai Star Rail. All right, bye. <laughs>